Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 114. And if you'd like to listen to this episode and our previous episodes, like and subscribe, or as Chuck was saying before we hit record, smash that like and subscribe button (laughs) (laughs) on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a wonderful rating or a review. We always appreciate those. And as my mic continues to fly all over the place, we will bring in the crew here of Sam Lepresti. Hello, Sam. How's it going, Danny? It's going all right, and a happy early birthday to you on the record on the podcast, Samuel. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. You've got a big day coming up in a few weeks. I do, indeed. Uh, in, I think, almost exactly four, three, one, two, three. Yeah, a little less than four weeks uh, that I'm getting married. Yes. So, I'll, yes. you know, as you guys know, I'll be absent uh, for about mm, three weeks or so. So, yes. yeah. That was a fluctuation there between the number of weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Was kind of... doing, doing some quick math. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so think no, about I know I was... you were counting in your head, but that was just like... <laughs> yeah, I, th- I also have to think about like when I'm leaving versus when I'm getting married, because we're leaving a week before uh, we get married. Mm. So it's like, and then we stay a week, and then uh, one, two, three weeks, it all is just... Yeah, it's, it's just numbers, man. It's all... 
that's all that's all it is in the, those last weeks before i remember when when we got married three three years ago because wednesday was our three was my three-year anniversary wedding anniversary and uh nice. and that was uh which is apparently the the gift material for the third year's leather oh. yes so you're going to be looking like Fonzie. No, uh, <laughs> no. I, it's, it's funny. We each ended up having a leather, like an everyday leather good that we needed replaced. Huh. Uh, I needed a new belt and she needed a new wallet. That worked out really well. <laughs> Only the finest leather. Last but not yes. least, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here. It's always um, not, nothing really major for me, but, but congrats <laughs> to everyone. Um, you got the new dog. Yeah, the dog. Uh, we we went back home this week, so this weekend, um, and we brought the dog, and she was a trooper. She did very well, which I was not expecting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about this week, so let's get right to the takeaways, uh, as I am want to do sometimes, since the grab bag is the last thing I read Juventus related before we hit record here. Sergio, your takeaway from the week that was. My biggest takeaway is that I saw a heartbeat. I saw a little bit of, of, of something in those first 45 minutes against Roma. It was a refreshing change of pace from last week. It was a little bit better. It was a heartbeat. It, it seemed like a team that knew what to do. Just a, a, lot, a whole lot more cohesion. Uh, crazy what happens when you bring in someone who can bring a little bit of a creative creativity, a little bit of a flair that was missing. But yeah, this team is still far from a finished product. This team is still not a team that I would right now say that can contend or challenge for, for any major silverware this year. But at least you had a heartbeat. You had something, you had a pulse. And it's a bit of a bummer that that's where we're right now. And that's, that is the you know a positive takeaway. But it is a positive takeaway, especially after the huge, huge letdown of last week. So I I'm going to... Try and be positive. Try and and you know stay on the on the good things and just really try and and hope that we're gonna see a lot more from the Juve of the first forty five minutes against Roma than the Juve that that played last week. That that's my biggest takeaway. All right, birthday boy, what you got? I'm gonna go away from the obvious because I'm guessing everybody thinks I'm gonna be talking about Fabio Minetti here, but I'm actually not going to. My takeaway was that free kick. That was nice to watch after three years of not see, seeing free kicks go in at all. Like, and, and it's funny because I, I I remember in in the grab bag, Sergio, you had mentioned that Vlavic, you know, Vlavic being a free kick, uncorking free kicks like that was not something that you had really thought about with him. I'd seen him take, I know because I'd watched, I, I ran into a highlight of it last year that he had he'd done it at least once. And also, when you're on Fiorentina and you have Cristiano Biragi on your team, you're probably not going to be the number one uh, option for free kicks because Biragi's just that damn good at them. But it's really, really nice to see a free kick finally go in. And if if Vlaovic can can pull... And the, the other free kick that Vlaovic took, it, it, it was a miss. It went over the corner, but it didn't miss by a whole lot. Like it wasn't a, it, you know, it wasn't a rosy free kick. I'm suddenly cautiously optimistic that a lot of these scoring chances, you, you know, because a DFK is a straight up scoring chance and Juventus have been wasting them for four years now, in large part, thanks to some guy who 
uh, I've heard is trying to get out of Manchester United now. But uh, to, to have that, those opportunities not go to waste would be such a huge boon to this team offensively. And if we, if we can suddenly pot a couple of these, the potential for difference in that regard could, could be huge. You know, you, you, you hit a free kick like that at the right time, that changes a match. So I'm, I'm really happy that, that we finally scored one again. And I'm really hopeful that that might be something that we can do a lot more than just that time. Sam, you'll like it. I don't know if you saw, but on our, our blog Twitter account, more than uh, one person replied to Dusan Vlaovic scoring on free kick. Is this the end of wall time? Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, Edward, what do you got? Yeah, no, I was uh, <laughs> actually before I give my takeaway. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the uh, infamous one who is uh, more notorious than Voldemort himself, uh, you know, good old Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, how many free kicks, direct free kicks, has he scored again in the last five years? Oh, yeah. I don't know, 404 error, page not found. <laughs> depends, on if you're, depends on if you're talking about club or, or country, because he seems to take them fine when he's taking them for Portugal. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't watch Portugal too often. I, I, I mean, of course, I remember you and your Dutch one. bias. <laughs> I remember that one that he scored against uh, Spain. Uh, the was the, was it the last World Cup? I think or was yeah it, yeah it was the last World Cup. Yeah yeah that one of course you know that was quite something. But yeah now he's rubbish, absolute rubbish at uh, free kicks. But I'm glad to have Lovic. Um But yeah, no, my takeaway besides obviously the obvious takeaway of Miretti, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that. I think kind of related to that is the fact that. You know, and this is my takeaway here. Miretti's success or recent success and just general good form, uh, I think that does really, really spell the end for Artur at, you know, at Juve. I mean, who knows if he's still going to be able to move this window. I mean, it's only, you know, two, three days left. I mean, nobody knows. Um, obviously, Valencia was interested. Arsenal vaguely was. But yeah, looks like they're doing just fine right now. So yeah, I think that just puts a definitive end to Artur's unsuccessful uh, career at Juventus. If Miati just keeps, I mean, even, you know, he doesn't even have to play better than he does now. If he just keeps a stable level of performances, I mean, Artur can, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's, uh, that's it for uh, the silky Brazilian Indeed, and I think the latest reports regarding to Artur is that uh, Lyon is reportedly interested, which, hey, you know, for the first time in a few years, we can actually root for something good to happen to Lyon. Uh, <laughs> there might be, uh, apparently, a couple other Premier League clubs might be interested. So, hey, you know, they've been splashing a lot of cash this summer in England, so feel free to do a little bit more and bring some tiny old circles over to jolly old England. Yeah, Leon just sold uh, Paqueta to uh, West Ham. So, yeah, I guess there is a gap yes, uh, that they yes, need to fill. Yes, and I can think of one Brazilian for another. Indeed. There you go. There you go. So, uh, obviously, the, the main thing we'll, ta- we'll be talking about before we get to the thoughts on the Champions League draw is Juventus's 1-1 draw against Roma. Uh, the good was the first half. The bad was the second half. Uh, I, think, uh, I think more than a few people have made the Jekyll and Hyde reference. So 
I mean, it, it was obviously a, a very pleasant surprise uh, the way Juventus came out playing, not only Vlaovic's free kick in the second minute to give Juventus the lead, but just the way they played overall and the manner of which they played. So that was the good. The bad was obviously they couldn't sustain it for a whole 90 minutes. And unfortunately for us, a certain former number 10 who now wears 21 again was the guy who helped Roma score their, their one goal. So are you guys coming out of this focusing on the good or focusing on Juventus dropping points for a second straight game? I think you have to think of it as two points lost at the end of the day. That being said, there were good signs. The The thing that worried me, yes, you may played really well in the first half, especially uh, the press was everywhere that, you know, Roma was barely getting out of their own half. The thing that bugs me, even with that strong performance was that Juventus had a shot on target out of open play once in the entire game. They had three shots on target overall in the game. Two of them were direct free kicks. And the other one was that really great ball that Minetti hit Quadrado with. But you need to do more than that. Like, you, you know, Juventus played a first half where they, they definitely could have, should have been up more than 1-0 by halftime. But they're still not creating the final scoring chances. And maybe that's just because guys don't know each other yet. It, it, it who knows, but as, as good as everything was as good as seeing Fabio Minetti in the starting lineup and really kind of bossing things in midfield. That was, that was amazing to see watching the team score 76 seconds in and then not defend for their lives for the rest of the 89 minutes of the game. That was really good to see. Uh, you know, there, there was, there was a better attitude. There was a better, I, I do feel like the mentality shifted a little bit. The one thing that did stick out that, that one thing did stick out to me was that the opportunities to score still weren't really there. And that more than anything is what allowed Roma to stick around long enough to, to be able to nab the equalizer. So the, I, I would say that the glass is is maybe like at 55% full. But that these were this was still very much two points lost that they should have had that I really hope don't come back to bite this team, you know, in the summertime. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, it's mostly class half full. We talk a lot and it's been a point of debate in this show, right? Whether it's more about being focused on the result or, or more focused on, on the process, right? On how we, they got to that result. And it, it, it did feel a bit unfair that, that Ju Juventus got that draw, that they get that goal disallowed by Manuel Locatelli, uh, which was, you know, extremely strict reading of, of a rule, but it is what it is. And, you know, at that moment, Juve goes up to nail, they're completely throttling Roma. And you're thinking that they're, a far better team right and right now unfortunately you're not gonna you know it's going and i wrote about it, it's gonna be hard for any team to just throttle a team for 90 minutes straight like they're gonna have a couple chances and roma capitalized on the really one good chance they had they really had a couple chances in the whole game it really did feel like like juve were for the most part the the better team it you know, if, if you feel that way and if you feel like there was a lot to 
you know, to, to like in the way they, they played, like, like Sam was saying, in the way they were very proactive in the way they allowed, you know, a, a lot of it has to do with Fabio Miretti and the great game he had, but they were a lot more aggressive, a lot more incisive. There were very few instances of that state, you know, going nowhere possession that we saw against Sampdoria. It was just a much, much better, much more refined game. And, I'd rather, you know, kind of stick with that. And, and that's why my, my takeaway was the pulse. It was like, that was a good performance. The, the result wasn't there and they shouldn't be happy. I agree with Sam. It's two dropped points. But at the end of the day, it did leave me feeling like, okay, this is more like, this is more what this Juve should be playing like. And it will probably look like in the future with the, the additions, with Philip Costa just peppering crosses. He wasn't very accurate with them. True. Granted, but, you know, he was peppering crosses all around. Like, it was just a much more active team. And and while the, the counting stats may not show it, it did look like a much more proactive team, much more aggressive team. Those type of performances, more often than not, should result in wins. And I, I, I end up, you know, feeling a lot more optimistic about the outlook of this team moving forward right now this sunday than you know it was last monday in which it was just like a, a, a nothing burger this was a good result a, a good performance that is not a great result that's kind of how I, I i would put it this is still not a team that is going to be a favorite to win the league or anything like that but it was a team that had arguments to start thinking okay they're gonna make some noise and and after what we saw last week that was just a a positive step forward they need to sustain that though, because we might be sitting here after, you know, Spezia's game on Wednesday and be once again talking about a terrible game or something. We don't know. They have to sustain that. We have to see this, you know, continue for me to really make any big assumptions. But talking about just one game, I, I, I agree with Sam that is more positive than negative, even if the result wasn't wasn't quite there. And that sounds a lot like what we said after the Sampdoria match, right? Is that now it's about trying to sustain it. And obviously they didn't do <laughs> a week later. They didn't do that. Yeah, exactly. And th- that's been a, an issue with this team going back to maybe even Mauricio Sarri, right? Like even the, the you know, the last Max Allegri season is just that they were not consistent. They could have a very good game followed by a very bad game. And you just, you never knew what to expect with this team. And, you know, so far it's been three games. I would say two good ish performances one very bad one i mean let's see what happens on wednesday but if, if they kind of build on this you know there, there's there's reasons at least to start feeling a little bit more optimistic which there were none after the the game against Sampdoria. so at least that's a positive yeah it's a situation we're rarely in isn't it i mean usually we have that like the team plays poorly and then gets a result that they scarcely deserve you know, we'll get like a one nil win or something when we just, I mean, play terribly. More talking about last season and, you know, last few seasons. And yeah, here we are in a situation where it's like we played better than the result that, that we got. Like, you know, we deserve better uh, from from this game. I mean, I don't really like using the word deserve, I guess, in a footballing context. But yeah, you know, still, I thought we uh, obviously deserved the win there. And I mean, frankly, I thought Roma were just bang average, man. I mean, you know, I, I think I'd read so many articles and okay, they've had, you know, two pretty key injuries already to uh, Zaniolo and uh, Van Alden. 
But still, I just remember reading all these articles about like, oh, Roma is going to be the dark horse for the Scudetto. And like, you know, oh, there's really, you know, going to be something this season. And okay, it's just match day three, but I, mean, I thought they were pretty just regular. I mean, I, from last season to, you know, to the games last season against Roma to now, I, I mean, I thought they basically looked the same. So I was just like, oh, wow, this is uh, this is what everybody's been hyping up. But again, only match day three. So just uh, you know, leaving that as a big... Uh, Big disclaimer, but yeah, I mean, you know, like Sergio said, it's it, it's impossible. It's almost impossible to maintain ninety minutes of just like pure dominance over uh, over another team. I think generally, what you can most expect in best of cases cases is like I don't know, sixty minutes or so of domination. Which, frankly, I thought. I mean, the first half, yeah, we we're definitely way better. But even even in the second half, I thought still till minute, I don't know. 60 really 55 60 i thought that we were still very much in charge and then yeah start to like slowly slowly concede control over the game and then that culminated it in the 69th or 70th minute equalizer by uh, tammy abram but yeah i mean i thought this is like yeah the game yesterday i thought that was the most you can kind of realistically expect to dominate a team over 90 minutes but it's just all about you know a what you do in that period of domination and be how far you like fall back or like how much control i guess you seed in those like remaining minutes where you're not dominating i think you know in some cases in teams you see them just like in that i don't know 45 to 60 minutes that they dominate they'll just score like five goals or something or like just really just go like crazy in that period of domination and then just like like ease it out. I mean, okay, five is maybe a little bit exaggerated, but you know, they'll score two, three goals and just like very comprehensively dominate the opponent and then just like slide off, you know. But even then, it's other teams will then win one nil, but then it's like that shutout time in those last 20 minutes, they'll sure they won't be dominating, but they'll be playing well enough where the other team just doesn't get any chances. So I don't know. It's one of those two things. Um, at the end of the day, I think Juve is just not really at that point yet where, you know, like the good old BBC days where, I mean, if we had a 1-0 lead, that was, I mean, uh, we were shutting out. There was no doubt, no discomfort or anything about that. We're not quite there yet, but I'll take the positive from just playing so well over, I think, 60-ish minutes or so. It would have helped if the entirety of the team stopped playing football during that corner. Yeah, that was... That was some of the worst yeah. corner defending I've ever seen. It was deceptive that... I think that corner... I think I was also kind of deceived by how deep it went to Dybala. And well, then, Alexandro certainly was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sandro, Sandro completely lost Dybala on that post, but, but also, like, none of the Juventus players made any sort of a move to get to the other side of the guy they were supposed to be marking. Like once Dybala put that ball back across, there were three guys who had free headers. It was like none of them expected Dybala to get there. No, none exactly. of, it was like none of them expected Dybala to get there. It was, and they just, they just stayed where they were and all of them ended up behind their man. And, you know, Abraham was the one that scored because that's where the ball went there. Cause there was, I think it was, might have been Matic and maybe Smalling, if I'm remembering correctly, who were also in similarly completely unmarked positions for that ball to come. If that ball had come close to them, it would have been one of them scoring. 
that, that was just a, a, a loss of focus. And, and kind of the same thing happened on that corner late where the ball just kind of sat there in the box for a minute and, and Walsh missed it. Clearly that's something that needs tightening up and Max has got to get to that because that is a coaching thing. Set piece defense like that, that is a coaching issue. So you've, he's got to get in there and hopefully and hopefully fix that. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, I'm trying to remember just the exact like kind of sequence of events in that corner. And yeah, I mean, it, it's it is indeed where just everyone kind of stopped when once the ball went so deep to the back post, I think everybody just kind of stopped and indeed just didn't expect the ballot to get that ball, which frankly, I don't, you know, don't think anybody did. And I mean, I might also contribute to the fact that, you know, some people were saying that he was actually attempting like a shot at goal, but then it sort of miskicked it, I guess, and then well, became a great assist. So, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe that might have been something there as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So overall, we're feeling okay. <laughs> All things considered. <laughs> I mean, y- yes, just based on you know, yeah, based on one game. But I, th- I think yes, feeling okay. But it's like, do I have the confidence of, to say that we're going to maintain the, this level of performances for at least I don't know, three, four, five consecutive games? I mean, that's where I'm like, eh, I don't know. I think it's it's because there's something to yes, we lost the points. But there is something to build on from it, and that makes it a less crappy pill to swallow. You know, Sampdoria was taking Robitussin. Yesterday was like children's Tylenol. (laughs) Like, like there's not as bad a taste. Yeah, no, for sure. It it just feels like exactly like it feels like we've been saying this for a long time, but it really did feel like we messed up a corner kick and they got that that goal and it it really like it it doesn't feel weird to me to say I think Juventus was the better team and we just got unlucky with the bar call with the via VAR call and with the corner kick and it is what it is sometimes you're going to drop those points it doesn't make it any less frustrating but like Sam said like there's something to build on it's like you it, it you came out of that game with a much much better feel than than after the Sampdoria match for sure yeah, I mean, what the hell is Vlaovic supposed to do on that handball call, by the way? it's. I said this in my postgame, in my recap. It was the proper implementation of a very flawed rule. Yes. I mean, it hit his hand, therefore the goal has to be called off. But there wasn't anything he could do 
he was getting pushed. It was, you know, it's not like he was trying to dribble the ball like a basketball the way he did. There should be more wiggle room in that rule, and there just isn't. And that's what ended up happening. Proper implementation of a rule that is really bad and needs changing. Especially because in real time, nobody noticed. Like nobody made a, a call to the ref, like go check that. Like not even the Roma yeah. players noticed. Like it was it was completely unnoticeable. I noticed it, but that's because I was watching it on a replay, so I already knew what happened. And so I was kind of looking. And so I was kind of looking for it. But naughty. I, I was because no, because the day job had me. The day job had me until the first half was half an hour old. So I just didn't even bother until the game was until the re- replay came on. But yeah, no, you're right. That was something interesting. You didn't see a lot of Roma players no, throwing nobody. their hand in the air. I think only Mourinho I saw on a replay was yeah. Mourinho was but, that's true. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. The yeah, special one with a special vision. Exactly. Very, uh, very close vision indeed. Yeah. Um, Anybody else hurt their soul to be watching Pablo in that shirt? Well, that's that's what I wanted to ask. How how weird were we feeling watching Paulo Dybala, knowing that he had been a Juventus player for the past seven years, watching him in a Roma kit? It's not meant as a shot to Roma at all, just the fact that, you know, he was supposed to be the dude. I mean, this time last year, we were sitting on this podcast talking about Max Allegri has specifically asked to build around Paulo Dybala. And now, a year later, he's on a different club. Well, the funny thing is, uh, as I was, as I had mentioned in Slack channel, I thought he was actually pretty poor. Yeah, he didn't play <laughs> great. I mean, I don't think he really did much. The only thing he did, which is, I don't know, sounds weird to say, like, just that, I mean, that assist, I mean, that was, you know, which obviously is a pretty useful um only contribution to the game but i mean besides that i thought he was i mean pretty much in existence i think that i think a lot of that had to do with the way that juve played i don't think it was paulo dybala played a bad game i think it was for the majority of the time that paulo dybala was on the field juventus was playing their game and it was i I actually I, i remember saying it last week Mourinho is relatively easy to force into a reactive stance. And that's how we were for the first. And that's what we did for the first 60 minutes of the game. And also, and this is a, this is a point that um, on the broadcast itself, Dre Cordero and Matteo Benetti brought up a couple of times. They, they were also missing a serious explosive element to their game without Zaniolo on the field. But yeah, I, I think that that was more a question of, of Juve playing their game and thereby making it difficult for Dybala to really get anything as opposed to Dybala just being bad. It was so weird. Like every once in a while, I'd see that, like, you know, that, that arm tattoo that he has, like out of the corner of my eye on the screen and expect him to be ready to be ready to look forward to him touching the ball. And then I went, Oh wait, no, that's not a good thing anymore. Uh, (laughs) I mean, and frankly, he should have been booked for that challenge on Dushilio in the first half. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that the fans were classy about it, uh, welcoming him back. No, oh, I mean, the way, the way they bid farewell to him, you had to figure he was going to get that kind of reaction. And I'm glad it wasn't an intricate. Yes. Because if it had been an intricate, that would have been a very different proposition. But, you know, I'm glad it's not an intricate. But it's still, not knowing the way everything went down last year, it still hurts. And it's probably going to hurt for a while. And we haven't even heard from his large adult father yet. So, like, yeah, it it, it's, it feels weirdly fine 
that he is an aroma kit. Like, I don't know why, like he, it just like, it fits, like it doesn't feel that, that, that is strange to me. Like out of the, you know, I would have preferred for him to go elsewhere, not in Italy. Uh, but in Italy, I think it was probably one of the best case scenarios, honestly. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a very Dybala game in the sense that like Chuck said, he didn't have a great game and, and Juventus, I mean, listen, the guy was here for how many years? Like, obviously they know how to play him, but you know, it was another, you know, Dybala, Dybala game in the sense that he just needs one, one touch. He just needs one play to make the difference. And that's the kind of player he always would you've been like, like you guys said, like he wasn't the best game, but when he had the chance, he serves that assist and, and they, they, they tie the game up. So, I mean, it, it's still a bit of a bummer to not see him as a Juve player, but honestly, I think it was, it, it felt weirdly okay. It felt like weirdly normal. He's like a very Roma type player in a sense. And it just, yeah, I, I, I wish him well. I really do. I'm glad he just didn't go ghost train on us. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was nice. And I, I agree with Sam, actually, just the fact that it was really, you know, credit where credit is due, that Juve's good performance, it was more Juve's good performance than Dybala's poor performance. And, uh, and I guess maybe you can say the same thing to Roma, um, just regarding my comment about how they played. Maybe it was more that Juve just played that well, that, you know, Roma just looked, you know, very much average. But then Danny actually, you asked, like, you know, how are we feeling or are we feeling confident? in general about Juve. I think the thing to me, and that was another thing I noted during the game is like, you know, this kind of continues a trend of, yeah, I guess the last season or two where it's, it's not the games. And this actually relates also to the champions league draw. It's not the games against big teams that like really worry me in terms of performance. I know in big games it's like, you know, suddenly everybody will be like bothered and like, just, wow, we're actually going to play, you know, good football. It's the games against the Sampdorias that like really, bother me and that's where i'm like well you know uh, case in point i mean we just play a terrible game against Sampdoria last uh, last week and then you know roma comes to town okay big game and now we're all fired up and put in a big game it's yeah it's really those games against like the spezias the Sampdorias, uh i don't know bolognas and stuff those are the ones i'm like well i don't know if i feel confident about that because those are types of games where we drop to the level of the opposition you know and then just play just poor football that we've been playing in the last few seasons. Well, hopefully on Wednesday against Spezia, the aforementioned Spezia, we don't, yeah, indeed. We don't see some of that. But knowing what the, uh, the schedule is going to be like, I have a feeling that there's going to hopefully be some squad rotation happening. I know there's already some rumors that Federico Gatti might get his first start, which would be cool to see. And I think Spezia is the right kind of opponent for him to kind of be slow played into uh, Serie A action, knowing that he hasn't played a Serie A minute in his career up until this point. And uh, before we get to the Champions League stuff, Fabio Moretti, shall we boast in our new shining young teenage wonderkin his latest performance, knowing that, uh, you know, with, with uh, I will say it now, with Juventus selling, letting my uh, my former large adult son go to Tottenham, I was in the market, and thankfully, I just I I feel like I should just go from one uh, one midfielder to the next, and this one happens to be Italian. So we're not fighting over Chiesa anymore. I mean, we can if we want to, but <laughs> I don't want to fight with you around your birthday. That wouldn't be nice. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I thought that he was the best Juventus player on the pitch 
clearly. And what I love about it is that every single time he gets the ball, he takes his first touch and then he is looking to move it towards the goal. You know, unless he absolutely knows that he's got nothing in front of him, he's not passing the ball backwards. His first and only instinct is to get the ball forward into an attacking position. And we haven't had a lot of midfielders that do that lately. Cough, Artur, cough. I was just about to interject. <laughs> he, is, he is the opposite to one yeah. Artur where he's not necessarily looking for a you know, four-yard pass or one that is behind him. He is looking forward. And the other thing about it, and this is, you know, if you if you you compare him to Paul Pogba when he was at Juventus the first time at this age, where Pogba he was very very good, obviously at that time, uh, you know, he he was really coming into his own, but he he had a tendency to go for the Hollywood balls at that point, and that's not Miretti either. He's making. He's getting the ball into the attacking areas and he's doing it in really the most efficient and smart way possible for the most part. And the other thing was that he was finding the spaces in between the forward line and the midfield. He was actually running the spaces and being the link, which is something we have not had. Again, just just a lot of things that he does instinctively we haven't really seen from Juventus midfielders almost since the MVP days. I only look forward to, to seeing what he's going to do because I'm seeing a, a player, if he keeps on this trajectory, I'm seeing a player that is Marquisio level or perhaps better because he's, he's got the makings of everything. To you know, He's got the confidence. He's got the technique. He's got the instinct. I, I, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. Uh, I have ever since we first saw him last season. And it just, you know, for me to, you know, last, last season, he was in a lot of games that were either dead rubbers or, or against, you know, the Venezias of the world. Here he comes in, he's thrown into a big match the week after the midfield had come apart against Sampdoria and he puts in a fantastic shift. And frankly, him leaving the field was one of the reasons that, that Roma were able to get back into things. So I'm, I'm very, very happy to, uh, with what we saw. I hope he starts getting these starts again. And I, I really, you know, it, it's, I, I think, think we really do have the, the, the potential of something really special coming out of him. To, to me, the, the biggest thing with Miretti was exactly what you were saying. Like he, he belonged, like he did not look like a, like a young guy getting his feet wet. Like he looked like he had been playing for Juve for like a couple of seasons now. Like he just looked very, very comfortable out there. And then like Sam was saying, he was just making very smart reads, very smart passes. He wasn't afraid of the moment. He wasn't afraid of, of, of really being himself out there. And this is, you know, okay, granted it's match day three, but it, ha- it was the biggest game of the season so far against, you know, a, a team that, you know, a lot of people were, were putting in as a dark horse candidate for the title. Uh, you know, by far the, the the stiffest test they've 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 had so far. You know, sold out stadium, and you know the guy did not put a foot wrong. I mean, it was a very very impressive performance. Obviously, it, it has to you know 
it has to keep building. It has to be consistent. That's a, usually a problem with young guys that will have very good games, but then, you know, very bad games and will struggle with that consistency. Right. So he, he needs to keep showing that, but all that we have seen so far from him this season, you know, it just, so far I see no real argument against him continuing to play and continuing to, to get starts and minutes because he makes this team better. Like he just does. He's such a better compliment to either Rabio or McKinney, whoever is playing in that other box to box midfielder role. Like he's just such a better compliment to those guys because he has that technique. He has that vision. He brings the team forward offensively in a way that neither Rabio nor McKinney can do. And it just allows those guys to do their job better. Um, it takes a lot of the pressure of, of Manuel Locatelli being kind of like the only guy trying to be an offensive fulcrum. Like he just, helped the team in so many ways and he has looked very natural doing so it just it i think he he needs to be the starter i think he needs to continue be, being the starter until you know he shows those those growing pains or he hits a wall or something because right now all we've seen from him are are honestly good things so i think he he's won that starting um he he won that start last saturday you know fair and square and and i think he did more than enough in that start to warrant more playing time. I, I really hope that that he gets the nod once again against Spezia. I think that'd be a very good match for him to continue building and to continue showing that he can be a guy that, you know, like Sam said, maybe a guy that, you know, that 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 guy that's been missing, that's a youth product that stays with Juve and that builds with Juve and it just becomes a, a long-term player for them. I think he 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 definitely has a lot of people excited and and with good reason. And, you know, I think, I think he's the proof of something that I, I know we've said in, on this pod a lot that, you know, Allegri is not the more, you know, the most youth, pro youth play manager out there. Like, I think we all agree on that, but I think we've all said, like, if you are, you know, very, very talented, if you're good enough, you're going to get minutes. And he's shown that with other players now, and he's showing that now with Minetti. Like, it doesn't matter that Fagioli and Robella have like more experience than him. It's just like this guy is clearly the better talent out of all those three guys, and he's gonna give him time and he's gonna give him minutes, and he's doing it. And and so far, Mirati has you know has shown his worth in him, right? So you just, I mean, you really, really hope to to see him continue building on that because uh, he could solve a lot of issues moving forward for for Juventus. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. I mean, you guys have uh, you know said it quite well. Uh, the only thing I would add is you know, kind of relating to my takeaway at the start of the episode uh, is the fact that, well, two things, I guess, is first of all, the, the fact that he is like a viable, at at worst, he's a viable alternative to the starting uh, central midfielders now, which are, you know, Locatelli and McKenney slash Ravio in the team. So, that, I mean, that's just, that already feels like a new signing. Like, okay, we have a guy that actually can compete with other midfielders and, you know, kind of, push them to be better. Like now they know that, Hey, if I, if I don't play well, actually, there is actually another guy who would be able to replace me rather than, you know, oh, if I don't play well, well, there's Ramsey, you know, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, now, now that um, we have a better alternative to a, you know, Ramsey, <laughs> um, they actually have to worry about uh, playing well. And yeah, yeah. Like I said, I mean, just the fact that Rovella can really, you know, step in there and compete. It just, yeah, it just feels like a new signing and that's just so useful. 
All right. Well, we said we'll talk about the Champions League group, and here we are. Obviously, uh, the the schedule is going to provide for some interesting time crunches, knowing that it outside of a, I believe, a international break in October, it's pretty much uh, multiple games a week from here until the the uh, World Cup break. There is one. Yeah. There is one week, October sixteenth, and then October twenty third. That's the one time, other than the international break in September. Unless that's also an international break, but it's too short to be an international break. So, yeah. So, uh, obviously, schedule is going to be busy. Uh, there's not much uh, rest coming up now until uh, mid-November, and as we said, the uh, midweek fixtures start this Wednesday against Spezia and uh, Champions League wise event. Just found out their group stage opponents. There is uh, obviously the mandatory X effect at this point with uh, Paris Saint Germain. Hopefully it works in Juventus's favor this time. There's also the what feels like the mandatory Portuguese opponent in Benfica. And then Juventus gets one of the, uh, probably one of the surprise qualifiers in Maccabi Haifa out of the Israeli league. So uh, obviously the, the, the glamour fixture against PSG comes right out of the gate in, uh, in a, about a week and a half from when we're recording here. And uh yeah, it, it it's it's going to be interesting to see how Juventus manage just this group stage with the obvious injuries, and you know we we don't know when said players are exactly going to be uh, totally up to full fitness, but just manage the injuries, the workload, and then just the the fact that this is a this is a schedule that is just going to be relenting essentially for the next couple months, and yeah, it, it's. It's going to be a it's going to be a chore from pretty much here until the till the World Cup break. Yeah, and this is and I I firmly blame Hunter for this because yes, he goes in you, right before the right before the draw he goes watch this be the year that our our group stage draw luck runs out and and here we have the that was on our Slack channel and then we we certainly we've avoided the group of death because holy God. <laughs> um, that 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 group with with Bayern Barcelona and and Inter. I was, I was actually watching it. They were they were power ranking the uh, not watching. I was reading. Uh, they were power ranking the the thirty two group stage teams on CBS Sports, and I was reading the article. And the very last one was Victoria Pilsen, and all they said was, "I'm sorry, I'm so sorry." But uh, we, we may not have gotten the group of death, but I think we definitely got the group of serious but stable condition because Benfica is fully capable of knocking us out of this competition. If we get one of those games wrong, I think, you know, the two Benfica games, you need four, you need at least four points out of those. Uh, and you obviously have to rough up Maccabee Haifa something fierce. You know, if, if, if we slip up once against Benfica, things are going to get really dicey. And it, it's just... It is not a group that, you know, the, the last two years we've had, we've had groups where you look at them and goes, we should very easily qualify in one of the two spots. I can't say that I feel the same way about this one this year, just because Benfica is such a wild card and they always have some sort of a, of a craziness up their sleeve. And also our, our history against them is really bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not as confident as I've been in previous groups. I mean, it, I kind of, this alludes to something I said earlier about just the, uh, you know, Juve showing up in like big games and then against the Sampdoria, Spezias, et cetera. We kind of 
drop to the level of our competition. Uh, I have the same thoughts really with this with this group stage. And, well, actually, just in general with Juve's group stage and then round of 16 draw or round of 16 opponent, uh, which is, you know, against the big teams will, I mean, okay, with a few exceptions, will show up enough to at least like kind of grind out a draw or maybe a very narrow loss, but like we'll we'll do enough to not get you know embarrassed against big teams. So I'm not really like bothered by a game against PSG. It's it's again, know, we did we didn't against Chelsea left. We got embarrassed against Chelsea yeah, left. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean at least at the at least that was the second game where it was less at stake um in terms of qualification and stuff. But but yeah it's again the same this year. Like I'm not you know as worried about the games against PSG. It's it's those games against the Benficas and and uh Maccabi Haifa that like those are the ones that I'm like, okay, are we gonna, you know, again drop to the level? Or I mean, okay, Benfica are, are a solid team. I mean, losing Darwin is obviously uh, Darwin Nunez, uh, it's obviously a big blow, but you know, they're still a very solid team. But still, it's like those are the types of games where it's like, okay, we should win like five nil. Talking about Benfica here, uh, we're not gonna win that one five nil. But those are the types of games where we should be able to win one nil, two nil without too many crazy, you know crazy too much craziness um if we wanted to call ourselves a top level team which you know i don't know can we nowadays so um yeah the games against benfica are, uh, i mean those are going to be the real deciders assuming that everybody else basically loses against psg or yeah yeah well yeah basically loses so um yeah that's uh you know it's again it's my concern is that it's going to be the small game uva or the big game uva that shows up yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think Benfica is, is a you know B plus type of team that you know is not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. But again, if beat Benfica, might as well just go to the Europa League. Like it, it really does feel that way. Like it, it, it's a team. It's a tough team. It's and this is no no disrespect to Benfica. They're a good team. They're a tough team. They can, like Sam said, they can very easily give us trouble. But if if those are the teams that we're now feeling, you know, that, oh, they, they might knock us out, then, yeah, might as well go to the Europa League because, <laughs> I mean, what the hell are you doing in the Champions League then? Um, still, I think right now it's it's unfortunate that they get PSG so early. Um, I, I, I still think, look, with all the stars and everything, you know, obviously Mbappe, Messi, Neymar, that's that's always going to be a tricky, but they seem like a team that that's, you know, they have consistently shown that they're not as impossible to beat. Um, who knows? But yeah, try to beat Benfica. And I think they can do that. At least we get the away game against PSG out of the way in the first week. And when we do play them the, the second time around, when hopefully we get a couple of the injured players back, it's, uh, it, it's at home. Benfica, by the way, Sergio, uh, as you pointed out with Juventus uh, last week, and we can't say it again this week, Benfica yet to allow a goal this season. Best defense in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Benfica also knocked us out that one time in the Europa League semifinals. So, yeah, that's uh, the last time we played them. Yeah, that, that, was, that was honestly a bummer to me because I, I remember they were playing the, the Europa League final in Juventus Stadium and... It was like, okay, it'd be kind of fun for, for you know, Juve to host the final. And uh, yeah, that, that didn't quite happen. <laughs> no, no, it did not. Yeah, Ju- Juventus is actually, this is, uh, Juventus has never beaten Benfica. 
time for Max Allegri to make history. Yeah, now, and and actually, interestingly enough, and I didn't realize this, they've only played them four times before, which is surprising when you consider how how the, the history behind each of those two teams. They've only played four games against each other, those two games in the Europa League semifinals in, in 2014, and they played, and the time before they played before that was in 1968. Ah, yes. Who could forget that 1968 uh, season? Uh. It's a great year for wine. <laughs> yes, right. Ben, Benfica won that uh, won, won that tie three 0 on aggregate. PSG, it, Juve, interestingly enough, uh, does not have a uh, Juventus. I don't think has ever lost a game against PSG, but they also haven't played them in the twenty first century in a competitive game. What Juventus has lost to PSG is Alexander Sheffrin's friendship. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> Man, oh man, yeah, pulling the pulling the wheeling and dealing and behind the scenes politics. That's right, that's right. Well, we've got time for a, a few quick Twitter questions here, so we'll get right to them. First one from at Zebra American: Did Fabio Moretti do enough to convince Max he should be starting until further notice? Yeah, probably. I yeah. sure as hell hope so. He sh- sure, as, I sure as hell hope so. At the very least, to be the first sub for the starting midfielders at, at the very least. All right. We got that one out of the way. There we go. Boom. <laughs> Slide on up. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I know. I leave people speechless, man. I'm uh, mad rhymes. I'm my MC. That's right. That's right. We got Chuck's rapping again. Uh-huh. Next question here from at VO underscore Dyken. If Pogba and Di Maria are injured on a frequent basis, what are the odds of Juventus staying in the top four? Yeah. Or, I mean, that's, um, wouldn't you say that's kind of, it's pretty much the same team. So say those names again Paul and on Hill. And on Hill, if they, I mean, frankly, I'm, I'm considering anything more than 15 games or so from Paul Pogba this year to be gravy the way he's decided to go about that knee. So I'm not particularly counting on him this year. But if if we don't have Di Maria for a lot of the season, that could be a really that could be a that could be an issue because we've there's going to be more competition for the top four this year than there was last season because you know Roma have really loaded up and you know you're going to have Napoli there, you're going to have Lazio, Fiorentina. I think both of them are going to try to make a run. So having Di Maria there is going to be pretty important. And and the other issue is you know where does Chiesa come in and how well does Chiesa come in? Cause that could go away a long ways towards patching things up. But yeah, I'd, I'd be a little bit concerned if Di Maria was out long-term this year. I, I think top four, you still have decent odds because this is pretty much the same team that already finished top four last year. And you'd be getting Chiesa back. Uh, you'd be having, you know, a, you know, true winger like Kostic. Uh, you'd expect some growth. The young guys, you know, Mieti, if he stays, like that's that's uh, a new piece in the puzzle. Uh, yeah, I think top four is still very much in the cards. But I think if you're out of pretty much your two, you know, marquee signings in the transfer window, yeah, I think I think top four becomes your your ceiling pretty much. Like that's what you're competing for because you're not really going to be competing for for anything else if if those two guys are out. I, I don't think Juve is a legitimate threat for the Scudetto if if you don't get them back or if, if they're out for, for, you know, 
big stretches of the season because then again, you become pretty much last season's team and, and we already know that team is not good enough. So um, yeah, I think top four is, is still likely probable. You know, you're still there, but you're not going to be challenging for much more than that. Yeah, you guys uh, said it well. I agreed uh, without, I think I'd mentioned this last week or maybe, yeah, I think it was last week that I mentioned that, yeah, because it was with the injuries and absences and stuff. And yeah, basically without the new signings, I mean, yeah, it's really, it would be basically the same. I mean, that's an obvious thing to say, but just stylistically, it's the same team without a Pogba and Maria. I mean, those two types of players are difference makers, which are exactly the types of players that we were missing last season. So, you know, with them, yeah, I mean, absolutely, at least somewhat maybe in a shout for Scudetto, but without them, I mean, it's, it's again, it's stylistically the same team and it's the same kind of uninspired team as last season uh, without them. All right, next question here from at Miguel Garza 85. The aforementioned Philip Kostic has been fairly average so far. Why do you think that is? And I will go so far to say he has been a Juventus player for two and a half weeks. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that basically answers it, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I, I do think that he need, needs some time to settle in, especially, you know, with, with Di Maria getting hurt. He suddenly became a really, really important player the minute he landed. Uh, which is an, an unenviable situation for any player to be in. He already seems to be connecting along the left with Alexandro pretty well when Sandro goes forward. It does look a little bit to me like the one thing that concerns me is that he just kind of, at least these first two weeks, he looks like he's been more concerned about putting the cross in as opposed to making sure that the cross goes in well. Like he's very been very high volume on crosses, but a lot of them are either you know, hit the first defender or they kind of go through a lane in the box where nobody actually is. And again, maybe that's just him needing to, you know, get into the rhythm of things with, with, with his teammates. Cause like you said, Danny, he's only had two weeks to, to train with these guys so far. Uh, I, I wouldn't ring alarm bells about this for, for a while yet, but I mean, has, has his play been underwhelming these first two weeks? Yeah. But it's not a it's not a panic button situation on him by any stretch right now. Yeah, you you mentioned just a quick uh, stat. He you mentioned the volume crosses. I think he pretty much had as many crosses as the rest of Juventus's team combined. It was maybe like four, fourteen or fifteen, and then Kostic had twelve against Roma. So yeah, I mean he you can definitely tell he's you know shoot or shoot. Well, crossers also cross. Yeah. yeah, spraying and praying. <laughs> spraying and praying. Uh, I think I actually don't even agree that he's been that underwhelming. I think he's been just kind of what was advertised, right? Like he was going to be a volume cross winger type of guy. Like we knew we were not getting a superstar. We knew we were getting a decent above average winger that likes to cross a whole bunch. And he has been kind of just that. I, I think he's one of those players that is not meant to be the focal point of the offense or be like the, the guy that things run through him. Like, I think once his signing was thought, Hey, we're going to have Angel Di Maria on the other side and, and Philip Kostic on the other side, like that, that works, right? Like if he becomes the one true winger trying to do things happen, then yeah, he's a bit underwhelming. He's not that guy, but 
if once you pair him, I, I think once Di Maria comes back, I, I think he just he's going to become, uh, you know, a lot better because he's just going to be kind of like the counterpart, not necessarily the main guy uh, for for Juve. So, yeah. And again, he's played two games. So maybe, you know, let's let's cut him some slack. Yeah, and, and I was confused actually about Kostic. I mean, I guess he's not originally like a left like winger. He's more of a left back, left wing back, right? So now he's sort of been playing out of position. Left wing back is mainly where he played at Frankfurt. Yeah, so that means I mean, you know, that's clearly a factor as well. Because I remember being surprised, like, oh, I didn't know we bought like an out and out winger. <laughs> you know, I thought we bought more of a defender. Um, so yeah, I mean, just being played somewhat out of position from the get go. I mean, that probably. Uh, you know, doesn't help either. Indeed. And obviously, you know, outside of Dusan Vlaovic, it's a brand new set of teammates that he is learning Indeed. along the way. So uh, a lot like like Sergio, or like we said earlier, you know, he's, he's very much brought in to be a big, important player right off the bat with, with Angel Di Maria being injured. So uh, on that note, we will wrap it up for this week's show. Thank you all for your Twitter questions. We had some more, but unfortunately we don't want to go on forever and ever and ever. We want to keep things at a reasonable time. So if you want to send them uh, to us next week, feel free to do so at Juventus nation on the Twitter machine. Follow us there as well as on Facebook and on Instagram, all of your social media platforms. Maybe Chucks will create us a LinkedIn profile one of these days. Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, I mean, I would. I would. I'm, I'm on there 80% of the time, really, on, <laughs> well, in terms of internet go. kind of time. We'll, we'll, we'll check in before you leave for your wedding if, we, if we're up and running on LinkedIn. How about that? Yes. yes all yes. right. That's the place to be, man. <laughs> uh, like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and a review. All those nice things. It's been a while since we were able to read a new review. So for the birthday boy, Sam, for the soon-to-be groom chucks and for sergio and producer couch this is danny saying thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week